your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that hasn't had its listeners' private data hacked yet Or indeed sold it to the highest bidder and then lied about it Brought to you by Portillo Paste, the only spreadable meat-based sandwich filler endorsed by Michael Denzel Xavier Portillo. <laughs> I mean, I mean it makes him sound much more important, the fact that he's double-barrelled middle name there. Um, I'm not sure it's double-barrelled or separate, but I'm just, I'm just impressed. I hope it's double-barrelled. I'm just impressed that he shares a name with Professor X. You know, it's, you know I'd never thought of... Um, Michael Portillo was an X-Men before, but now he's got enhanced mutant smugness, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> you're here for music, episode 24. I'm here with two stick-around music experts, Clive Fisher. Oh, hi, hi. And Michael Johnson. Hello. Well, that was, that was, that was a lovely little home. <laughs> Very, uh, it was, actually, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Usually just it's quite to, straight, but today's... To, you know, <laughs> di- diversify. Up. Yeah, it's like a like a little bird chirruping. Uh, yeah, almost. <laughs> it's really bright in my day. Yeah. Uh, have we been listening to lots of music? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, quite a lot. Um, mostly over the past month because um, I had February. I was doing February album writing month, which I'm sure I'll waffle on about later on, uh, where I didn't really listen to a lot of music except my own because I'm a wow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just a really incredibly self indulgent person. Narcissism, um, but. <laughs> I had to, yeah. I was, mi- I was mixing it, Alex Wayne. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, I'm catching up a bit. It's January was kind of a catch up on 2017 stuff, and now I've last couple of weeks I've been finally getting around to some 2018 stuff. So yeah, I've got a few things to talk about. How about you, Michael? Um, actually, I haven't been listening to a lot of new stuff, as I will um, explain. Uh, I've only really listened to one new album this year, which I'll talk about. Um, there's a real slew of albums that uh, I want to hear that are about to come out or have just come out, so that will be changing soon, I'm sure. But um, yeah, a bit thin on the ground so far, actually. Okay, right. Okay, well, we're going to start with you, Michael, in uh, Eagles Cliff. M- Clive, I'm going to delegate the noise to you. <laughs> wow, that's that much better than my one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was more of a... I don't know if that was an eagle. I think it was more of a, like a parrot. <laughs> but, um, Whatever way, I was impressed. Go ahead, Michael. Parrot's cliff. I thought it was more of a parrot that had recently heard an eagle and was imitating it. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Just a question about the Portillo paste. I heard it comes served in um, a toothpaste tube. Is that correct? Yeah, it actually does have um, teeth-strengthening qualities, uh, similar to... <laughs> Toothpaste. Um, um, I mean, my local Asda actually got confused and had it in the toothpaste aisle, which you don't want. That's what Portier wanted. But easy mistake to make. I mean, seven out of ten Tory dentists use it instead <laughs> of toothpaste. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that. I mean, like, I don't know why, but I get the impression that seven out of ten dentists probably are Tory anyway. I mean, just me. It was just is that. So what? It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't know. What seven tenths really. of seven tenths then? Um, well, wow! I don't know maths was. I mean, we're, we're currently doing fractions in at school, but I can't <laughs> <do that. laughs> there's a limit. Yeah. 
This isn't year four stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll I'll kick I'll get into it now. So the one album that I have been listening to quite a lot. Um, I don't think anyone will be surprised by this because it's an act that I've already talked about on the last two podcasts and we'll be talking about again now, although I suspect for the last time in a while. Um, so that's Culture 2 by Migos, the follow-up to last year's Culture album, which I had ranked as my second favourite of 2017. Uh, so obviously the background to this album, um, I loved that the first album last year. The singles uh, prior to the release of this sequel album... Um, Motorsport with Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, and then Stir Fry, you know, both pretty good singles, uh, especially Stir Fry, which was a bit different to um, the usual Migos style, with a quite challenging beat from Pharrell Williams. Those singles really gave no sign of any sort of issues to come. It seemed like you know a continued um, victory lap basically for Migos. Uh, just a few. We didn't really have any details of the um, of the rest of the album until just the day prior to its release in January, uh, which is when it was revealed that it would be 24 tracks long. Now, given that I was extremely hyped for this album at the time, I didn't really uh, worry too much about that. I thought, oh great, um, 24 tracks, now, a ton of guest stars: Gucci Man, Drake, Travis Scott, who I've called the fourth Migo before. But usually, albums of that length, especially in hip-hop, but in all genres really, you know, that's, that should usually set alarm bells ringing, uh, I think. And unfortunately, in this case, that's been justified. Um, the, the album is something of a mess, structurally. Uh, when I first started listening to it, you know, even though you're listening to it for the first time, it's all fresh, I found that by the time I was a quarter of the way into the album, I was already thinking, well, you know, there's still another 18 tracks to come. This already starts to feel like a bit of a drag. Obviously, when you listen to it tracks individually and you listen re-listen to the album in different contexts again, you know you get more of an impression of it. So you can't judge it on that first listen. But the the simple fact I think is that there's there's too much material here. My initial impression was that there was certainly a good album buried in there, and I stand by that. I think one of the best things I could say about it is I don't think there are any bad tracks per se across the twenty four, which I think is evidence of the group's abilities. And even even between the two albums, Culture and Culture Two, you know they were releasing other material of um, you know of a great quality. So you can't fault the work ethic and the standards that they generally um, hold up. But I don't really think there was any need for this album to be anywhere near as long. It could have been um, half the length or slightly more, and been an you know an excellent follow up to the first Culture album. There's certainly too many tracks that could have been cut. Tracks like Autopilot which are perfectly fine, but just don't seem to be adding anything else to the um, the experience of the album as a whole. Um, a lot of people targeted the track Open It Up because beat-wise and in terms of uh, the chorus, it's very similar to the track Deads from Culture. Um, I don't mind Open It Up so much because I think it's actually better than Deads. I think yeah, it adds something to it, but it is very similar. It's these sort of artistic choices that you do wonder exactly... Uh, you know exactly what was happening, what the decision-making process was. Uh, I think there is an explanation for it, which I'll get to towards the end of this. There's definite sequencing issues, I would say, with the album. Uh, I think the second half is a lot stronger. I think it's my favourite. The best tracks on the album are clustered together, I think, really, although that's obviously just uh, subjective opinion. Um, I think what's less subjective is that the lowest energy tracks are right towards the end of the album, uh, the last three in particular, but uh, the track "Made Men," um, you know, you can't really fault that because it is—it's one of the best tracks on here. It's the um, the anti-penultimate track on the record. 
um, and it has a more joyous feel. Uh, it's definitely one of my favourites. Whereas the last two tracks, uh, Culture National Anthem and Top Down on the North, are, you know, as I say, they're just um, they're at a lower ebb, and I don't think putting them um, both right at the end of the album was necessarily a good choice. I think it ends it on um, something of a of a downward turn. And if you're going to have a 24 track album, I would have spread them a bit more. Generally, the album's more of the same, which, as anyone who has listened to the last couple of podcasts will uh, appreciate, is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I wasn't particularly expecting Migos to reinvent themselves here, and a lot of the tracks have much the same structure that's um, that's propelled them to the level that they've reached. Atmospheric beat making, charismatic rapping. I've, sp- I've spoke plenty of times before about how much I value the character that all three members of Migos display on the tracks. Uh, there is some diversity here. Uh, Two-player makes good use of almost jazz-like beat-making, which isn't really something we've seen from them before. Uh, Takeoff really moves out of his comfort zone on the track Gang Gang, which is uh, very poppy, but I was really surprised because I think he's always been considered... A lot of people consider him the best, perf- uh, the strongest lyrical performer of the group, but I think they wouldn't necessarily have expected uh, a performance quite like that track, so that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, a lot of people have considered him the best, if not the, not the most underrated member of the group. Uh, for me, I think Offset really cements himself as my favourite on this album. I think, you know, there, was, there are people out there who don't think Migos are that lyrical, that they can't, uh, they can't, uh, they aren't technically that strong. I think if you listen to Offset on this album, I don't know how you could claim that on tracks like Moving Too Fast, Narcos, where he really, um, you know, really intricately rides the beats. Um, and I th- you know I think he's oft- often puts it turns in a very thrilling performance. In terms of the third member of the group, Quavo, um, there's almost a new role for him on this album. Uh, it fe- I don't know if this is by design or not, but it feels like he's been sort of fading into the background of the group a little bit. He's almost become a glorified hook merchant to an extent. Perhaps that's a little bit harsh. It seems like a bit of a shame for a guy who was clearly the elder statesman of the group and a key driving force of the Migos project, especially when Offset was pre- previously incarcerated. But he uh, here, uh, as I say, as well as being um, more key for hooks, I would say, I can't remember a verse that really blew me away from him on this album. He also takes a step into production, and I think that could potentially be a very good step for him based on some of the evidence here. We're only seeing co-productions from him, but I mentioned the beat to two-player, which is very uh, horn-based. Uh, he seems to have played a role in that, and the tr- and the track also uh, "Crown the Kings" with a muffled vocal sample. Uh, really, one of the highlights production-wise on the album. So, it'll be very interesting to see how the um, the three members of Migos how their roles continue to change and evolve as the group moves forward, which they will undoubtedly be doing because this album was a massive commercial hit already. Um, there's no bad and bougie or T-shirt on this album, in my opinion. They were the key tracks that really drove culture, especially before it was released. Uh, even though they do replicate the exact circumstances of Bad and Bougie, more or less, uh, with the track Emojia Chain, which is produced by the same producer, Metro Boomin, and I would say is one of the best tracks on the album, but doesn't necessarily live up to that standard. Bad and Bougie, probably one of my favourite tracks, hip-hop, all the wise, of this decade. I've I've basically, for anyone who doesn't want to go and check it, who hasn't heard this album and wants to check it out, but doesn't want to sit through 24 tracks, uh, the top 25%, basically, of the album, the top six tracks, in my opinion, um, Emojia Chain, Motorsport, Beast, Flooded, Moving Too Fast, and Made Men. So they're the six that I would uh, I would check out as a reference point. 
there's, uh, there's been the suggestion that the actual reason, which I referred to earlier, that this album is 24 tracks long, is because it's designed to maximise the number of streams it receives on streaming services. Uh, needless to say, I find that incredibly cynical, if accurate, which it is quite possibly. Uh, and the real shame is that Culture was a perfect album, there wasn't a wasted second on it. It's 13 tracks long. It was everything that this album isn't in that sense. And... Um, Obviously, to prioritise its performance on streaming services ahead of uh, ahead of what it constitutes as an album is, uh, you know, a real crime, a real shame, as far as I'm concerned. So, unsurprisingly, people have been saying, you know, this is a real album for the streaming era. Uh, we've seen this sort of thing before. We go back 12 years to Stadium Arcadium by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That was exactly the same length, as far as I remember. Actually, I think it was 28 tracks. I think it was 14 per disc. It was a double album. And at that point, people were saying, oh, it's the album for the playlist era. You know, people can dip and dive into it as they like and uh, construct their own playlists from it, which is, you know, it's all fine and well, but it's it's it ties into the relationship between art and commerce, really. What's good for business isn't necessarily good for something as an artistic statement, and I think that was the case with that Chili Peppers album, uh, which I thought was good, but obviously far too long. But certainly, I would say it's the case here as well. The irony of all this, of course, is that Migos' label is called Quality Control. Um, but I think, uh, you know, whoever made the decision to allow them to make a 24-track long album, regardless of any implications tied into streaming or anything like that, should be sacked, quite honestly. So that that's uh, that's my general summary of the album. Uh, a good album buried in there, but a, a wasted opportunity to make another great album, even though I'm sure it will continue to give uh, Migos a lot of momentum moving into the future. So I've I've gone through this period where I've been listening to them more than any other act. As I said, this is the, this is the only album I've really been listening to so far this year. There's a lot of good albums, supposedly good albums, very exciting albums that have just come out that I haven't heard yet. Uh, a couple still to come in the coming weeks as well, which I'll I'll mention one of them shortly on this podcast. But I think this a sense that this uh, for now at least um, I'll certainly be maintaining an interest in Migos, but for now. I think this probably ties up the end of a sort of a mini era as far as my listening goes with Migos, but it's been uh, it's been it's been great. Obviously, as I said, Culture, a fantastic album, and this uh, plenty of things to like about it, but you know, just a little bit of a squandered chance. <clears throat> right, excellent. Um, nobody's surprised to hear I haven't heard this. I still haven't heard Culture yet, although it is downloaded. Um, Clive, you listen to this, or have you listened to Culture actually? Um, I've been listening to the first one, but again, not loads. I'm really liking it, though. But I I think you tweeted about this, Michael, and said that you weren't a fan, and that uh, put me off oh, right, putting yeah. this one on rotation. Well, I think I was... And also, yeah, go on, sorry. Cool, Michael. No, I was just going to say also the fact it's so long. Um, as you know, I have a bit of a problem with uh, albums that are particularly That's the thing, yeah. Because it, often it is a bit of an alarm bell. It just doesn't need <laughs> not to be always. this long. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with the uh, the 70-minute album or whatever, but this, you know, this is pushing mm. way ahead of that. Yeah, and those tweets I made were just during the first listen. Like, it was, you know, it was quite exasperating and tiring <laughs> to listen to an album you'd been waiting for for so long and just realise it was a real slog, you know. Yeah. And, and not because of the tracks themselves, just because, like, you just know it's far too long as soon as you get a few tracks into it. And it, I think, like I met, tried to mention, it just people's listening habits have changed. You know, they don't. A lot of people, especially with an album in this genre of this style, they don't really necessarily sit down and listen to it like I do. You know, they'll just listen to it um, at their convenience, and it will often be through streaming. And yeah, it may fit into that, but that you know that does affect the album negatively, or I think it does. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's weird how um, kind of the way that we uh, digest certain forms of art 
has definitely changed. I mean, um, you've made me think about how I digest some films now. Uh, yeah. One of the main reasons I love going to the cinema is you've totally distraction free. Uh, you know, you're not looking, you're not tempted to look at your phone. You know, if there's a buzzing, uh, you're not tempted to. Oh, I need the toilet a little bit. I'll put it on pause and buzz out. You're just watching something continuously, and you are taking it in how it's supposed to be taken in. But it struck me when I was watching a film the other day at home that I did all of those things. Uh, my phone was buzzing, some messages, put it on pause, read the messages. And I was thinking to myself, I'm spoiling this. So I'm wondering if the music equivalent of that is cherry-picking certain songs uh, to stream and making your own playlists. I just, it, it, it takes away from the well, the producer, really, as much as the performer, the way it's been put together. I mean, is, is that the way you see it, Michael? Is it? Would you say that bears... Yeah, I think it's comparison. Um, yeah, it's all tied to technology, isn't it? I mean, when I go to the cinema, I know people still are, but I never get. I would never get my phone out during a film at the cinema. Yeah, I will have it next to me when I'm watching a film at home. The better thing to do would be to turn it off and leave it upstairs. Really, it, it would uh, be. I, I think I, next time I'm watching a new film at home, one which needs all of my attention. I think I am literally going to turn my phone off for a couple of hours because it's too tempting. <clears throat> That's what I've started doing. Yeah, it's good. You, you find it buzzing. You find it buzzing in your pocket, and I, I, I would never look at it while the film was running. I, I would always pause it, but it spoils the you know the narrative yeah. flow. Of course, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the same would apply to music, though, as well. If I was listening to an album, really, you should be able to sit down for half an hour or you know forty minutes or whatever, listen to a full album without without distraction. Um, yeah, so there are definitely positives to technology in terms of art and culture, but um, it ain't the same, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the playlist thing is, there is an art to a song, <clears throat> definitely. It's like, oh, this is a great song, put it on a playlist, and it's like, it, there is, there's some art in that and that, but individually being a great song, definitely. Oh, yeah. But the, the fact, you know, of a whole album's always, that's been more the art that interests me, Yeah, yeah. Um, listening to a whole collection of the same artist's music for 40 minutes and how it ties together and I think that gives you much it gives me much more than I very rarely put on playlists to be honest I pretty much always play albums even if I know I've only got 20 minutes I'm only get through half of it I'll put on <laughs> an album either the back end of it or the front end of it but I won't put a playlist on I pretty much never do that because I just get way more out of listening to an album so I guess I'm a bit weird but I probably do less of what Michael's saying in that sitting down and literally just listening to the album with no distractions whatsoever I usually listen to them on the bus to work on the way back and walking to places and yeah. while I don't get my phone out while I'm doing it there's still some distractions because I'm on a bus and <laughs> at some point I have to get off and uh, so it's not a complete distraction free environment although sometimes it's weird some music can be elevated by like um, I've just got some like noise cancelling headphones and they're awesome I love them um, and I put them on the other day it was snowing and I had to get to school in this really deep snow and I was listening to uh, the new Nils From album and um I don't know, this song came on and it just had this really, really sort of... It was elevated by the fact I was walking through snow, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It yeah. just it was a real memorable moment for me. Like, I don't think I'll ever forget it. And it wasn't... I was just walking to work. It wasn't anything special. But uh, just the song fit in so brilliantly with uh, what I was doing at the time. So I think sometimes you can actually get more out of it by listening to music like that. But, yeah. I think the the great thing about music is it's so situational dependent, like... You can if it hits you at the right time, you might get way more out of it than at another time. Or if you listen to it, the example I always give is how it took me so long to get into Kid A, and it was only when I listened to it at night that it finally clicked. 
and I'd listened to it the other day, you know, like tens of times and just hadn't really got it. And I was like, why aren't I getting this? And then I listened to it once at night on a bus and I was like, oh. <laughs> and yeah. it just hit me. And I was like, oh, I've just been listening listening to it at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's. I, I would agree with that. Um, and I, th- I think, um, like, something that you said there, like, the... Um, I think there's almost, there's, obviously there's an art to a song, there's almost an art to a playlist as well. I'm not entirely, you know, I'm not opposed to playlists. We, oh, we yeah, have, there we is had, We had mixtapes before playlists, you know, it's mm. nothing new. And, you know, the collecting together songs that have a unifying theme, I, I find that cool and I like to do that yeah. as well at times. I think it's just when, when you've reached this point where these albums sort of get dumped and then listeners are expected to be their own editor and compile their own album from them, it's not really, you know, that's not really the idea of what an album should be to me. No, I agree. I think if if the listener wants to do that, that's up to them. But I think as an artist, you should be putting out something that's yeah a cohesive whole and that you want out as a absolutely as, as an album. If if you want your album to just be a, a collection of songs that but they're songs that you really like and they're your favourite songs that you've written, so I think that's fair enough. And you know, people can. But I don't think of you should course, put out yeah. just shit tons <laughs> yeah. just so that people can cherry pick, have to cherry pick to actually enjoy it. That seems ridiculous. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, let's move on then. That was that was an interesting discussion. Actually, it's funny how things snowball. Clive, what have you been listening to? Um, so I've got one that's that I've enjoyed particularly, which is the one I'm going to talk about in depth, and I'll do a bit of a roundup after of some of the other stuff I've enjoyed. Um, and it's an uh, interesting one. I've not researched how to pronounce the band name. Krangbin. K H uh, R U A N G B I N. Um, with the album Contordo el Mundo, which uh, means with the whole world in Spanish. That much I know. Um, I believe the band name is... Uh, oh, what was the bloody word? I learnt a new word. I felt really uh, felt really intelligent, Al, and I've forgotten it. Oh, sorry. Fucked it. You fucked it. Um, it trans, <laughs> transliteral translation or something like that of the word aeroplane in Thai, which I think means... You think, no, transliteration, I think it is, which means it's... I think it means it's translated but not written in. So it's like the phonetic form but written oh, yeah. in a different language, do you know what I mean, um, of aeroplane. Anyway, they're an American, and I was really surprised actually by this because I'd been listening to them and I had no idea where they were from. did not think they were American, but I'll get into that. Uh, they're an American-British three-piece band in Houston, Texas, um, featuring Laura Lee on bass, Mark Spear on guitar, and Donald Johnson on uh, drums. They're heavily influenced, apparently, I've put uh, in brackets here because I'm not a uh, aficionado of this particular genre, by Thai funk music uh, from the 70s. Uh, the band does not sound American or British at all um, and would be very at home on the world music shelf, in my opinion. The funk influences are obvious, but it's a more kind of low-key, groovy, surf rock kind of funk than an overblown James Brown or Tower of Power kind of vibe. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with those two. I love James Brown. Uh, but this is, it's a different kind of funk. I think as soon as you say funk, people expect some guy screaming at the top of his voice and eight-minute-long songs. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not what this is. Um, it's, it's the more groovy side of funk and more relaxed feel. As well as funk, the band blends, and this is what really makes them stand out, I think, uh, sounds from all over the world, predominantly from from what I can tell, and my world music knowledge isn't the greatest, I have to admit. Um, the Middle East, um, India and uh, the Caribbean are the ones that kind of uh, stick through to me uh, as being influences on the sound. Um, and they do that without... Adding in particularly, they don't like suddenly start using Middle Eastern instruments uh, or crack out steel drums to sound Caribbean. They do it in a more subtle way of, it's, it's mainly down to the guitarist, to be honest. He's got this way of just bringing across these styles with his guitar and various effects he has on it and stuff, I suppose. But not 
they don't seem to pull out loads of random different instruments to change the feel and that gives the album more of like a unified feel and they do it in a very kind of simple way i think simplicity is kind of the key word with this album the groove the band grooves like as hard as any i've ever heard really it's just this really relaxed awesome groove that you just get into as soon as you put it on laura lee's bass and donald johnson's drums are so locked in you'd think they'd been playing together since birth and yet they're never really showing off at at all which is another thing about uh, general funk um Tower of Power is a good example. Uh, sometimes there's a bit of, oh, check out what I can do on the drums and how funky it is. Uh, there's none of that here. It's just sort of finding out the minimum effective thing that they can both do to get the, the perfect groove, and that's an art form in itself, I think. And it just it's really what lends the album. It's really sort of amazingly relaxed feel. Couple this with some amazing guitar solo work from Mark Spear, who seems to have like an endless repertoire of styles, like I've mentioned that add a constantly varied dressing to the to the awesome, awesome rhythm section that I've just described. It's one of my favourite instrumental albums for a long time. It's just really relaxing and enjoyable to listen to, perfect for every occasion, whether it be like an attentive listen or to have on in the background. It's one of those that even when you have it on in the background, it kind of comes to the forefront, and I think that's really rare. I think it kind of demands your attention, but not in a way that some guy's screaming his voice, his head off. Uh, it's very subtle, it's weird. Like, I always have this on in the background in the classroom, and uh, the, the kids love it. They're always like, oh, this is so groovy, Mr Fisher, or, you know, <laughs> random comments. Whereas normally they make no groovy. comments about the music. Yeah. They actually use groovy. <laughs> yeah, one of them did, and I was like, you're a ledge. <laughs> you're the only eight-year-old who uses the word groovy. Do you, well done. do you teach a class in the early 90s? Step in a travel back in time. I think it must be his dad's influence. Uh, I don't know, but, but he did use that word. Who's his dad, Austin so. Powers? <laughs> no, I can confirm he isn't. Well, if he starts saying things as shagadelic, you're going to have to bring us some evidence that he isn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. Um, so yeah, they love it, and they never usually comment on uh, the music in the background. So I thought that was interesting. And it's just, I really like Magical Album. It's not, I don't think it's in any way, you don't listen to it and go, bloody hell, this is groundbreaking, I've never heard anything like this before. Even though I don't think I have. Um, but it's more subtle in the way it does it. It's just, it's more in how it blends all these different styles, and it's so simple and kind of unshow, unshowy about it. that uh, <laughs> I just love it, I think it's... So, so good. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of this album. It's my favourite so far this year. And th- I've listened, I've enjoyed a lot this year, actually. I think it's going to be a, a really good year. I'm feeling, feeling positive, but this is the one that's stood out so far and I've not been able to really... I've probably listened to it once a day at least, <laughs> which is quite a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, I love putting it on. Great. If I don't know what to put on, I always go, this is my go-to at the minute. So I'd really recommend everyone checks it out because... And I'm so glad I found it because it was pretty random to find something like this. I don't think it's had tons of press. Um, it has been well-reviewed, generally, but it's not one that's you know everyone's talking about or anything. So go out and check it out. It's awesome. Right. Fantastic. Um, so as a little uh, segue in between Michael's next bit, I'll talk about what I've been listening to, which is nothing new. Um, I'm going to give you three choices. Uh, it's not of a single album, but of artists <laughs> to who I've been running to in the gym. Uh, you're going to get one guess each. <laughs> So okay, it's going to be the least expected. Have I been listening to Bjork, Salt and Pepper, or Nine Inch Nails? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. I'm going Nine Inch Nails, even though it's the most obvious choice. I think it's probably wrong. Michael, Uh, Bjork. 
<laughs> it was actually Bjork. Yes, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just throw in salt and pepper as a bit of a you know a weird one, hoping you'd just go for it. Uh, but yeah, I found that um, for some reason I like running to Bjork. Although I have been, to be fair, I have ran to a lot of Nine Inch Nails as well before, so it wasn't a bad guess, Clive. Um, Yeah, how do you how do you two feel about kind of best of lists? So we were talking earlier about the way we kind of digest music. So I haven't been listening to Bjork albums. I've been listening to uh, Bjork Essentials on Apple Music. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I think anyone who does that should be shot. (laughs) Right. Okay. Fair. Fair. No, I don't. I'm just. Um, no, I think there's a there's a place like especially for like when you first you're looking f- discovering an artist or whatever to just go oh I'm going to listen to a couple of songs and get a good idea of what they're about and I think there's some some artists aren't album artists anyway and I think I'm not saying Bjork is one of those I don't know enough about Bjork but um, I think some artists you're better off listening that way almost um, but it kind of depends what you want doesn't it and I think particularly in a gym in a gym context uh, you're listening to get yourself pumped or in a certain mood which a whole album might not do it might be too <laughs> it might deviate too much from the original thing if you know whereas you want to kind of have the same feel throughout your run i don't know see for me it's not about getting pumped it's actually about relaxing me i find right, if i get yeah, pumped sure. too much i i go too hard yeah it depends what kind of running you're doing doesn't it yeah, yeah. I, I for a long run i usually i don't run anymore but i used to put on um, podcasts for long runs because i found it Took my mind off actually running and <laughs> didn't make me go faster. <laughs> I find I'm too tired for podcasts because I can't actually take in what they're saying. So I need something musically. But um, if I'm doing any other kind of exercise, podcasts are great. But um, I find for running, I need something relaxing. Mm-hmm. I, I think, mean, Pumped Up is great, but still. I think even with... Um, you know, I mean, Bjork is, Bjork is definitely an album artist. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you can't have a best of... Um, like yeah, I think, true. I think um, Drake is one of my favourite artists of the of the decade, and not long ago I did a I did a best of just for the car because I felt like it with Drake. So you know, and then with some one thing I wanted to say was some artists, some acts, best ofs are um, you know the you know, they're essential almost. Like this isn't really a best of because it's 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 the only thing I've got by minor threat, but it's all you need. It's their their complete discography compilation. You know, it's all of their tracks, mm-hmm. and it's obviously an absolute classic. You know, an essential essential document of of what they did, and uh, another one that jumps to mind is um, the ha- uh, House Masters compilation of uh, Frankie Knuckles, the eighties uh, house pioneer, which I've got again a classic album, mm. even though it's you know it's a collection mm. of best ofs and remixes and so on. Um, so you know, it just depends on the just depends on the artist and on the, how it's put together. I think. Okay, right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going back to Eagles Cliff, Clive. Michael, go ahead. <laughs> Every time I speak, is it? No. Um, just once so, a podcast. No, no. I, I mean, it's, you know, who knows when the eagle will spark its war cry. Um, that is true. <laughs> right, thank you. Um, rather than another album, i um, just going to talk about, uh, you know, just a few observations that I've got about things that have happened or are happening. First of all, uh, unfortunately, obviously, he's not here to hear me talk about this cable, but um, an album that I listened after he had it ranked in his top five of last year and that has definitely left an impression with me, um, the self-titled album by the electronic act Bicep. Um, so uh, this really impressed me. In conversation with Cable, I called it the most contemporary-sounding dance album since Settle by Disclosure, which came out in 2013, and I'd stand by that. Uh, it sounds fluorescent, triumphant, 
really slick and modern and it's full of beats teeming with light and energy and it's it's all really truly pulsating uh, I would encourage anyone interested in electronic music to hear it it's just great from track to track so I would say I think a really strong album that obviously we, we already talked about on the last podcast but I just wanted to add my thoughts about uh, very good stuff uh, another album that I've been listening to a fair bit that a lot of critics talked about a lot at the end of last year, but uh, that I uh, obviously didn't mention or anything on our, our end of year roundup, is uh, Scumfuck Flower Boy by Tyler the Creator. Wow. Um, what a title. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think people who are familiar with Tyler will know that when he first emerged in the, uh, you know, towards the end of the noughties, early 2010s, uh, you know, he was all, all about unerring provocation. That was his vibe. But I think really his albums have always been about male loneliness um, at their core. Maybe never quite as explicitly or as rawly done as they are on this new album. Uh, but not unlike Bicep, actually, this is an extremely colourful album. Um, I think it really reflects it, the album art cover, uh, if you look at that. A lot of people have, have sort of suggested that it's an album where Tyler comes out as gay. Uh, but I think, even if that is the case, which isn't very clear... Uh, you know, there's a lot more to it. I think it is really main, mainly about that um, that idea of uh, unrequited love, which hasn't. I don't think it's been his music hasn't really been valued for the sort of that quality. The fact that it raises that subject and often in very interesting ways. His stuff has really evolved lyrically in terms of its content uh, since the you know, sort of the shock tactics that he employed when he was younger. And some of this album is truly gorgeous. Uh, the musicality of it. Um, you don't hear it that much in hip-hop really these days. And I did describe it previously on Twitter as the uh, the hip-hop pep sounds, didn't I? But then Alex suggested that I sounded like either Alan Partridge or Nathan Barley for saying that. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you took that to heart. Yeah, well, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a great album, but I think it's grown on me, which is why I didn't really talk about it a lot at the end of last year. It's just started to click. Bit like what Clive was saying earlier, um, mm. so I just wanted to mention it. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was a little bit of a preview of something I'll definitely be talking about la- next time on the podcast. Uh, so we've, um, uh, as I said, we've, there's been some releases lately that I haven't heard that I still want to hear. Uh, no, I don't think it was received that strongly, but I still want to hear the Black Panther album that was uh, cur- created by Kendrick Lamar, obviously. Uh, the new mm-hmm. Car Seat Headrest album, I really want to hear. And uh, next month, I'm massively looking forward to the new Janelle Monet album. Uh, first two albums, The Arch Android and The Electric Lady, I really love. Uh, so I can't wait to hear that. And one of the two sing- the songs released from the album already, Django Jane, is superb. I definitely encourage people to listen to that. Uh, but another, the, the one album I'll certainly be talking about because it comes out next week is a new album from, in my opinion, one of the most iconic musicians of our time and of his generation, Jack White. Uh, I think his solo, his two solo albums, uh, Blunderbuss and Lazaretto, are arguably a little bit underrated compared to the White Stripes material. Uh, they're both solidly stellar, in my view. Uh, and Lazaretto, I don't know if the record has been bested since, although I would have thought it has, given how vinyl sales continue to increase. But uh, when Lazaretto came out in 2014, it had the highest first week vinyl sales since 1991. So I think that's... Um, you know, I think that that's uh, in terms of the supposed death of guitar music. I think that shows that you know there is still an audience out there, people who value guitar music, who might who are probably more likely to buy vinyl. I would suspect that might be a generalisation, uh, and I think that those sort of numbers bear that out. This new album, as I say, I haven't heard, I haven't actually listened to the tracks that have already been released from it. So it's, listening to it as a whole 
should be good for the first time when it comes out. Uh, the sense that I get from people who've heard bits of it seems to be that there's been a little bit of a lukewarm reception, but uh, obviously I won't let that affect um, how I perceive it. I'm very excited for it. Jack White, definitely one of my favourite musicians. So that was the only other thing I wanted to mention, just a little bit of a preview there. Cool. Um, in terms of the Black Panther album, um, it's ri- I can't I haven't listened to it outside of the film, but it did seem really good in the film. I wonder if it's an album that will be... Uh, well received in the context of the film, but maybe not as well received purely, you know, as a listening. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I think the uh, people's worry was that, you know, obviously Kendrick Lamar heavily involved with it um, on a bunch of tracks from it, that his sharper edges might be shaved off by the necessity of having a soundtrack, you know, a Hollywood film. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, he's he's always been a mainstream artist, despite the fact that the things he brings up in his music and the way he... Um, he Creates his music isn't really that mainstream, in my opinion. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see about that. But it's certainly a star-studded album um, on paper. So yeah, I'm definitely going to hear it at some point. I should have heard it by now, really. But as I say, just haven't really uh, been buying new albums as of late as much as usual. Cool. Right. Okay. So we, you know what, we need an we need an oil, uh, an oil, a noise for you, Clive, uh, for Sheffield. Uh, is there anything you'd suggest? The sound of steel being struck. I don't know how we're going to do that vocally, but. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think I think for next time I might get two steel girders and then just plug them together. <laughs> um, but that'll happen. Yeah. Where are you going to get these girders from? Uh, I send well, them up from Sheffield so they're genuine. Oh yeah, send them some genuine. Girders. Yeah, none of this nonsense from otherwhere. Um, <laughs> right. Anyway, Clive. That, can, can I just can I just say something? Uh, something that yeah. comes up on the podcast a lot, obviously. That I learnt from Pointless recently. Go on then. <laughs> who's who's the guy who invented the friction match from Stockton? Oh, I don't know his name. I just know App- it apparently in Stockton. According to Richard Osman on Pointless, uh, he didn't copyright it, and some other bloke nicked his idea. And never made a penny from it. That is typical Stockton. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would have been this really massively prosperous town, but for <laughs> some for but for that guy a copyright. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, just a fun fact there for you. Yeah, he is, in the context of um, the Flaming Moe's episode of The Simpsons, Stockton is Homer Simpson, the inventor, <laughs> but not the person who decided to charge fourteen ninety five for it. <laughs> <laughs> Stockton is Homer Simpson. That's what the road sign yeah. should say. And the, the, the whichever other guy did it is Moses Lack. <laughs> oh. Right, go ahead, Clive. Sorry about that. <laughs> Back to music. <laughs> That's all right. Um, interested to hear some of those albums you're looking forward to, Michael. I've actually been listening to the new Car Seat Headrest, although it's a, I believe it's a redoing of a, an album from 2010, isn't it? That they've like added, yeah, um, uh, beefed it up and added more instrumentation and stuff. Apparently, he was uh, he was of the opinion that he never properly finished it with the uh, all the instrumentation he wanted to. So that's right. that's what he's done, um, and it seems to have been very well received. And I loved Teens of Denial, so I should have heard it by now again, but I can't wait to hear it. I didn't get round to Teens of Denial, annoyingly, but yeah, I'm really liking this one, so I'm going to go back to that oh, one. Teens of Denial is a modern indie classic, I'd say. I'd really, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, I think I would. So I need to get, need to get on that. Um, anyway, right, I've just got a quick roundup of uh, some of the things that I've liked. Uh, four or five, I think. First up, um, Ray Morris with the album Someone Out Here, which is a very accomplished pop record. Um, it's enjoyable throughout. These are all from this year. 
with lyrics that are, are a step above the often kind of throwaway stuff you hear in, in the pop genre sometimes. Uh, it's got really good production too, a real feast, feast for the ears. Um, and I'd be personally, I'd be surprised if a pop record beats it for me this year, but we'll see. Um, a good track to listen to is uh, the first one, Push Me to My Limit. Uh, it's a really good song if you want to give you a good idea as to whether you're going to like it or not. Next up, Tune Yards. Uh, this is the first album I've listened of hers, actually. Um, I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life, which is probably the one that's been received the worst. Uh, <laughs> I really like it. I seem to be higher on it than most people, perhaps because it is the first one I've listened to, and uh, maybe it's because it's not doing anything new. I don't know. Um, I think it's really interesting throughout, um, but still accessible. There's a lot of stuff I've not heard before, particularly there's uh, clearly a lot of Afrobeat influence in there. It's not all that cohesive, but I kind of like, that about it um i don't think an album has to be cohesive all the time um, and i think this one i don't know just it really keeps my attention throughout and i really really like it song picks on that would be heart attack coast to coast and look at your hands next up this is one that uh cable recommended for me neil's from all melody which is the one i was on about when i was listening to uh walking through the snow uh really beautiful and some really breathtaking moments it's a little long for me it's about an hour and ten, and I struggle to keep my attention on it for its entire duration because of its kind of sleepy nature. And it's one that I love having on in the background and picking certain sections out of, but it doesn't quite grab me as a whole album as I kind of hoped it would. It's got some absolute. There's a song on it called "My Friend the Forest" that everyone has to listen to. It's beautiful. It's just him on piano, and I think he's recorded it with like the mic in the actual piano because you can hear all the sort of crackling noises of the keys. Uh, really beautiful piece of music and um, that's the one i was on about that i was listening to while walking through the snow top moment uh so yeah give that one a blast uh next up marmosets who are a band from bingley near leeds um knowing what you know now is the album uh, a bit of a tongue twister it's confused me uh, a super fun pretty down the middle pop punk slash alternative rock record they sound a lot like early paramore uh, if I was good to compare them to something. Definitely gone for more of a radio-ready sound since I last saw them live around four years ago, I think. But it, it's still fun, um, if a little less interesting. The screaming's really well done, and the guitar and drums have a real power to them. Uh, it's just a, a good, really enjoyable listen. Um, you know, gets you in the mood. Good songs are Play, Major System Error, and Habits. And finally, Hookworms, uh, with the album Microshift, which I really liked on first listen, and I thought I might grow to love it. I haven't really grown to love it i still really like it but it's never kind of gone beyond that uh, there's no right wow moments really but the album's kind of consistently good and it does keep you interested throughout my favorite songs on that would be negative space and the soft season and um, it's got a lot of qu- quite arcade fiery at points with the kind of you know constantly thuddy bass drum on a couple of the songs which is something arcade fire do a lot and um the vocals are similar in some some instances too so if i was to compare it to something it would probably be that which is not what i was expecting it to sound like (laughs) um but yeah i'd recommend all of those you know in different amounts but particularly ray morris i think uh, people should check that out it's really really good excellent i um Um, i I know someone who lives in bingley i didn't know they were churning out pop punk these days in bingley (laughs) (laughs) there you go they've been around a while right Um, i mean when i saw them in sheffield they were it was a pretty small venue she was really good um She's yeah, she's charismatic, pretty uh, just charged around stage, getting really angry, which uh, is the kind of front front person I like to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a bit more radio ready now, but it's still really enjoyable. Whereas previously it was, I think it had a bit more edge, to be honest. But I suppose they're trying to cut into the mainstream a bit. And of of, of the more mainstream pop punk stuff, this is you know on the good end. <laughs> right, yeah. I thought uh, I thought Bingley just did um, building societies, and I wasn't aware that they did anything else. Um, Fair enough. Um, what would you 
what what would you say? Would you say that would be an album I would like, Clive? Based on uh, the Marmosets one, yeah. Are you uh, do you like Paramore? Early Paramore? Um, kind of. Yeah, I'm not like okay. it, it's one of those genres where I can't explain what I like and what I don't like. Um, something either <laughs> right. I like. The I mean, genre. I prefer it to early Paramore, but it has definite similarities. Yeah, I think it honestly just depends how much of, I find that pop punk. The pop elements have to work. It has to be a bit of an earworm. Um, or at least for me, it is. There is a lot of airwormy stuff in there, so you probably will like it. I, I, I would recommend checking it out. Okay, definitely. all right. Rocking out to uh, Blink the other night, weren't you, Alex? Uh, yeah, I was rocking out to a fair few tunes as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably the oldest person in that nightclub <laughs> by a distance. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I'm. Uh, is it a nightclub I've been to? Uh, you may have done actually. I can't remember. You might well have done. You might well. It's a it's a good nightclub. It's just uh, seems to not attract anybody over the age of twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael the week before in a tuxedo. I was in a tuxedo. Though. That's a step up. Yeah. yeah, that is a step up. You can be as old as you want as long as you're in a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. Blow the crowds away. Um, I'm most excited uh, on the point that Michael was making for. The Wonder Years have got a new album coming out in April, so and I've, I've already booked to see them in, I think at the end of April, I've bloody forgotten, I don't know, June, April, May, somewhere around there. Uh, really excited to see them, and I'm really excited for this new album, so that's the main thing I'm looking forward to. I tend to, with music, I don't really know what's coming out, I tend to look at the releases that week and then listen, um, So, which is quite a cool way to do it, because often I'm quite surprised, I'm like, oh yeah, awesome, Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. someone whose album I loved last time, uh, yeah. Which is the I don't really... which is the band fronted by Soupy? Uh, that's the Wonder Years. Oh, yeah, so there there'll be some go. more Soupy talk soon. It was in there. It was in my <laughs> head somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, I never actually listened so... to them, but from your descriptions, I love. I love. They sounded great. Soupy, yeah, Soupy should... stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> He's a top man. Top man. <laughs> uh, and I've, yeah, one of the best live acts I've seen. It was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Right, excellent. Um, Michael, any so you mentioned there's a fair few releases coming. If you had to pinpoint one that you're most excited about, what would it be? Oh, it'd probably have to be um, the Janelle Monet album. I mean, she, obviously she branched out into acting in the time since uh, her last album, Moonlight and Hidden Figures. She certainly would have uh, fit straight into uh, Black Panther. I thought she might have been cast in that, but obviously there was a fantastic cast of other black actors in it. And now it'll be interesting to see what she brings to uh, the new album. Uh, lyrically from the track Django Jane that I mentioned, um, you know, as w- I think a more overt focus on race um, as well as on uh, gender politics, which have really obviously become even more prominent. Uh, since our last album in 2013 and her, her albums have always been in that classic sci-fi tradition they've taken um themes of androids that sort of thing and um you, you know used them to make points about the real world about um you know lgbtq issues gender race discrimination in all of those areas uh you know and i think that's exactly what sci-fi has always been for been about, been about making points about uh, real world developments uh, and she's done it in a musical sense, while being, you know, um, you know, a real trailblazer of funk, R and B, um, hip hop elements. Uh, she can write a song in the vein of Stevie Wonder, but also, you know, sort of in the vein of musicals, uh, chart R and B. 
you know, it's you know, absolute two brilliant albums the last two. So I'm I'm sure that'll continue on the new one, uh, which is called Dirty Computer. Can't wait to hear that next month. Wow. Okay. Very eclectic by the sounds of it. Uh, Clive, what are you listening, uh, looking forward to most of all? Um, just the one I've mentioned. I think the one is like I say, I haven't really been paying attention as to what's coming out. So there's, there's like sort of my super favourite bands. I pay attention. I like follow them on stuff, and I'll probably hear when they're. <laughs> albums are coming out but other than that i don't know what's coming out so i like to leave it as a surprise that week and then check the list and i'm like yeah cool that's come out because there's so much music that comes out there's always something i'm interested in um without having i just look for i just look forward to friday to be honest i know there's going to be something <laughs> out that i want to listen to um, and that's a pretty cool place to be and i think with films there's usually you know a few come out every week but it's not as it's not as many music there's just shit tons of it um yes there's always some good stuff. It's mad to think how much comes out every week that we never hear. We're never going to hear it. It's just crazy. Oh, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is only the stuff that I see on lists. I mean, on, if you look on, like, on Bandcamp and stuff, there's hundreds of other things. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No doubt worth listening to that you never, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never hear. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right, okay. It's about that time of the podcast where um, yeah. a, really, we, a really, really old joke that we struggle to make has <laughs> continued to be made. Um, perhaps Michael Johnson would like to make such a joke this week. You're gonna drop me, drop that on me. Eh? Yeah, well, you know, like um, I mean, for months the, this this joke has died, but we've absolutely refused to replace it with anything else. Um, <laughs> no, we did have a, we did try. There was a trial in the middle of a yeah, super happy a... fun time expansion zone. Yeah, um, I mean, our core audience just says we want plug time. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, they did. They sent time. us that as an audio file. We all we got on Skype. Plug time. <laughs> we want plug time. <laughs> so let's just go with that, Clive. It was like that, but more enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, okay, well, if you want plug time, you're gonna get plug time. Oh. Plug time. Get in contact with the show. Stick around podcast at gmail dot com or stick around podcast dot com slash contact for a form if you don't like to email who likes to email it makes you feel like you're at work uh, get on the form you don't feel like you're at work get on the website stickaroundpodcast.com for articles um, yeah there's, there's articles on there mainly our top 10 list at the minute I was going to write some think pieces but struggling with things to think about um, so yeah not none on there yet I've had some ideas but they haven't got beyond like two sentences and then I've got my point across so Basically, I think I'm a bit shit at writing articles. Need to need to read something up. Um, well, maybe I should release them as you know, two sentences of genius, and I'll become wow. a Twitter legend. Um, at Stick Around Cast on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, we're on there. We tell you when new episodes go up. We occasionally say other stuff. Um, get on there. Slash Stick Around Podcast on Facebook, where basically our Twitter feed gets regurgitated. If you prefer to watch it, on <laughs> if you prefer to see it on Facebook, give us a like. Uh, we haven't got as many likes on that because. I guess less people pay attention on Facebook. It's just full of old people now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and they steal your data and then pretend it's not been stolen, that actually they got hacked. Um, <laughs> Joke's clearly, on them. Clearly just... <laughs> stealing from me. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't sell it. <laughs> we got hacked and made lots of money out of the hacking. Um <laughs> Stick around podcast on Instagram. We need to get some more pictures on that. Um, I've actually put the link in for this now. You can go on justgiving.com slash fundraising slash stick around and we, you can give some money in our name to Shelter instead of giving us money because, you know, we can pay the hosting for the minute. We want to help some people out. Um, homelessness is getting worse. 
always, and particularly at the minute, it's heartbreaking. Um, so freaking cold. Uh, yeah, throw them a throw a few quid on that website. Our target's two hundred pounds by the end of the year. We're currently on zero, so buck up your ideas. Bloody hell! <laughs> um, I might donate to make it look a bit better. And finally, a bit of a selfish plug because I'm a selfish, selfish, self-indulgent man. Um, I mentioned earlier that I was doing February Album Writing Month. Last year, I also did February Album Writing Month. And this year, I turned some of the stuff from that stuff I wrote last year. Didn't It's not an album. It's more of a February Album Writing EP because I culled some of the stuff. I made an EP out of it. It's on theidolal.bandcamp.com. It's called After All These Adventures. It is free or you can name your price if you want to give me some money. Anything's welcome, but it is free if you want. Go on there, have a listen. It's good. I'm uh, just about to put up the this year's stuff, which I'm just mixing at the minute and should be done in about a week. Also, that'll be on the same website. So, yeah. All go. It is all go. Right. That's the end of plug time. Excellent. Um, I believe we'll be back next time with games. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been playing loads of games. Wow. Okay. We've go. Uh... We've got the return of James Flux. Everyone loves that. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish James Flux did more stuff because I, know. Yeah, All I, he does I want him play, everywhere. He plays games and he um, steals apples. Or <laughs> scrumping, as he calls it. Um, <laughs> the two things yeah. he loves more than anything. Uh, I love that guy. Well, I, I love James Flux more than I, anything, I, so. Well, I love him more than you do, so... You know. Well, that's debatable, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, we'll have a James Flux uh, love-off uh, on the next pod, so that's reason enough to come back, Maybe you, nothing else. Maybe you could just have a podcast for that. Yeah, just uh, Does... you know, a monthly James Flux loving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sounds great. Right, um, he's been Clive Fisher, and he'd like to thank you for coming. I would, thanks for coming. Uh, he's been Michael Johnson, and he just thinks you know he's too good, so he's not going to thank you. He's just going to say you're welcome. True that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been your uh, casual host, Alex Wayne. Please come back next time, and remember to stick around. Stick, stick around. around. Stick around. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around